Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hello, Serie A fan. After the bitter disappointment of their Nations League exit, Italy will have to analyse and rebuild, with only a European title for consolation. We chat about the performance of the players, manager and, crucially, fans as Donnarumma receives a warm welcome back to San Siro. All that plus delayed reactions to the Scudetto derby, keeping up the Italians and a tiny pianist on this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome to episode 55 of Scudetto. And Kenny, welcome back off your week off. Thank you very much, Oscar. Good to be back. Uh, obviously, last week we replaced you with Elaine from Milan Obsession to preview yeah. the Scudetto derby. Yeah, it was much better. So thanks, thanks for yeah letting <laughs> yeah, me thanks letting again me come to back. Elaine. Um, <laughs> and uh, you've been actually moonlighting this week on her podcast, haven't you? Returning the favor. Yeah, yeah. I was very, very lucky, very fortunate to to go behind enemy lines. Uh, I guess. Uh, and yeah. yeah, go on the Milan Obsession podcast to speak about Atalanta, which I'm I'm sure all the the Milan uh, supporting listeners of that podcast would be very pleased with. But no, it was it was great. Um, yeah, really, really good. Um, I'm sure they won't mind too much um, after the result of the weekend, but we can get into that shortly. Let's uh, do some beers, shall we? Kenny, you've got uh, an old favourite for us this evening. I do. I've got a Tempest Brewing Company Pale Armadillo. Quite nice. Is that one of the ones that Bert has mocked the name of previously? No, I don't think it is. I don't think it is one of the ones that... I think the fact that it's only got two uh, words for its name kind of gets away with it. I can mock it if you want. It's very pleasant. It's a nice session IPA. Lovely. Um, How about you, Buzz? What have you got for us? I've got um, something that's called the palm tree beer, and it's an amber ale, and it's the last one of these... uh, quote-unquote weird beers that I purchased a few months ago. So I uh, need to go on another shopping spree after oh, this yeah. episode. That was, what was it, a pack of 12? No, there was like, I think it was about 26 beers in total, but we did have a euro in between, so, um, and an uh, enjoyable <laughs> euro at that. So I, it I was going to say, you've been drinking those off air for sure. A few. <laughs> Good to know. And um, given the ones I don't like to my dog. Yeah, given that you always pretend that you drink the least out of everyone on this podcast and you only have beers when you're on, I think it's a bit of a revelation. Some investigative journalism has been done live. If they knew the things I get up to. <laughs> Good. And I should let our listeners know uh, we're still mid-table in the Tifosi Down Under Prediction League. Two correct results from Kenny, although no, two correct scores, although not that many correct results, I think. Um, I'll be back in the hot seat for the next round. Uh, but let's, we're obviously, we're on an international break, so let's talk about the Azuri a little bit. Um, the unbeaten run comes to an end. And uh, Kenny, I think you were saying it was probably one of the best ways that it could have come to an end. Yeah, well, it, it was c- kind of creditable in, in the end, uh, given that Italy played more than half of the game in, in 10 men. 
and they played against one of the best teams in in the world. Spain are still one of the, one of the best teams in the world. I mean that semi final was incredible at, at the Euros, and um, yeah, to 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 end up you know having that second half spirited performance, uh, kind of keeping kind of hopes alive, uh, and only going down two one. Uh, no shame in it whatsoever. Uh, the first half obviously was kind of be forgotten but uh yeah i mean there are there are positives to to take out of it and i guess one of the things is that if they don't have this uh, monkey on their backs anymore of you know trying to keep the record going they can just uh perhaps play with a bit more freedom now yeah uh, last week i asked you how much you cared about the nation's league um do you care less about it this week or I definitely care less about the final now that Italy are not in it. <laughs> but I would say that um, close to what Kenny said, that if you're going to lose a game, it's better to lose this game, particularly as you essentially qualified to play this final. So there is some there is some prestige. I mean, Italy weren't didn't perform very well yesterday. A lot of a lot of key players uh, were didn't show their usual uh, level of performance, particularly at the back. And but credit has to go to Spain as well. They they really showed some fantastic football and they uh, they outmaneuvered Mancini. And even before the the sending off, they were probably the better team. Yeah. But um, I mean, there's no there's no shame in losing to Spain. And perhaps uh, those people who thought that this this was going to be somehow an easy game because Spain have their own internal struggles underestimated the the the, the Spain that we also saw the Euros. Maybe I think this this result actually uh, highlights uh, Italy's uh, feet over the summer much more than because beating Spain is never easy, and uh, of course Italy did it. Yeah, yeah, and also I mean I I would actually add to to what you said, Boaz, that in midfield as well, Italy got completely uh, overrun. But I mean something that I've seen pointed out is just how young this uh, this Spain team is and how it kind of paves the way for for Italy to to do likewise uh, Don Ali famously uh well um you know controversially left out of uh, uh this Italy squad and still in the the under 21 so perhaps it kind of as i said before perhaps like getting this monkey off the back paves the way for for a couple of uh, some of the the younger players to actually come into into the team as well and football is a game of episodes and if uh Insigne managed to hit the target at least with his shot when he was pretty much in the area by himself, then we might be talking about a completely different game here. Uh, likewise, uh, I think there is no arguing that Bonucci's second yellow card was a stupid elbow, and particularly on the one player who knows how to milk these things. Perhaps a yellow card for arguing when you're the captain is a bit much, although we, we really don't know what he said, so it's hard to say from here. But obviously that uh, affected the spectacle. But I did enjoy Italy winning the ball very high up the pitch uh, and not really sitting back and waiting for Spain, despite Spain clearly being a slight level above them last night. Yeah, and I guess we should pick out the positives. Uh, Chiesa again looking very impressive, Kelly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, what, what could we? We've kind of run out of things to say about him. It's just like, yeah, he's a big game player. We say that every week. <laughs> every time there's a big <laughs> game, we say Chiesa is a big game player. We know that now. Uh, yeah, there there are huge positives to to take out of it. I mean, just the the kind of character of the the team as well in that second half when things aren't going your way to kind of dig in and stay in the game and 
Italy went into the last 10 minutes one goal behind and they were you know for what one thing it was even as someone who was supporting Italy in the game Italy were doing their best to try and level the kind of player count at times like especially Chiellini anytime uh, he was involved in any incident he was straight in the referee's face saying card 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 he was doing all he could um but yeah i mean that's all it, that's all that it was when you know when you're when you manage to keep the score to or or bring peg the score back to just one goal then you're potentially one player being sent off away from having a real shot at getting something out of the game and that's just testament to the the spirit that Italy had that they kind of kept that alive uh, and I thought the second half performance was actually very good and and Chiellini had a great performance after he came on I've kind of ripped him a little bit there but he was he was absolutely fantastic when he came on yeah and so we, we, the team was doing everything they could to try and get back into it what, do you think the crowd was doing uh, everything it could to support the team Baz so first of all um, a distinction has to be made there the crowd uh, <laughs> booed and whistled the the Spanish national anthem and I think that's uh, outrageous and really has no place in football and the, the Italians were complaining that uh, the English had been booing the Italian national anthem during the Euro final and also they were complaining about like flags being ripped out of people's hands and stuff like that but this is no better and it's I think uh, re- like particularly Spain and Italy it's not like they're at war but even if they were or had been at war in the past it makes no sense to boo another country's national anthem However, um, when it comes to booing a former player of yours, I think uh, there there is a there is a fine line and uh, a former player of uh, Italy. I mean, I a former he player of Milan. Still plays for Italy, doesn't he? I, I think perhaps it's slightly counterintuitive, and I probably wouldn't have done it myself uh, during the game, at least. But I think a lot of uh, Milan fans are quite rightfully uh, angry at uh, young Gigi Donnarumma and. Uh, feel that uh, he did not act in the best interest of the club, which is completely in his right. But at the same time, some of his proclamations during and also in the build-up to this game, how much he loves Milan and how much he, he follows the results and stuff like that. It's just, just like, spare us the act. There is no need for it. We, we understand you went, you went, you made your, your millions, and that's all good. You Just speak the truth. Ultimately, uh, this is, uh, I think, his... Main his main error is a, a complete PR uh, cock up. Uh, that's nothing to do with how good or how bad of a player he is. But I think he deserved his whistles yesterday, and uh, if he should. He's a big boy now. He should not learn how to take them. Ouch. I mean, I, I don't. I I don't disagree with what you're saying about the fact that. You know, he came out and said all this stuff before the game and was essentially pleading with uh, any Milan fans that happened to be at the at the game not to not to boo him. Presumably, he, there were there were a lot of Inter fans that were booing him as well, just because he was an ex Milan player. I don't know because it seemed like at times the entire stadium was was on his back. Uh, but I just question. I, I mean, if you're buying a ticket to go and watch the national team play, I mean, how do you think that's helping? Like, how do you how do you feel that that's supporting? It's Obviously, a completely different matter, and there are whole different levels of seriousness with it. But it kind of fits into, in terms of logic, uh, although not perhaps in terms of you know ethics and morals. It kind of is on a par with people booing the England players for taking the knee during the Euros. It's like, how do you think this is helping your team? Like, well, you're turning up at the ground to boo your own players. What? Yeah. Like, why? It's a, it's a good parallel, actually, because obviously, even though we might think it's completely wrong and ridiculous, it's something that people feel strongly about. 
can they not just put it to one side? So I think I think as long as um, the protest is somewhat civilized and it's just whistling and booing, it's fine. But as I said earlier, I wouldn't do it. And perhaps you're, we're looking for logic with people who don't necessarily uh, demonstrate too much logic. <laughs> as a slight, uh, as an example of that, when it was still two 0 Donnarumma made a, a very good save to say to make it to not make it three 0 and the same people who were booing him suddenly started shouting "G Joe, G Joe." So I mean, they don't, they haven't even decided what their own message is going to be. I think it is perfectly no, uh, cool to criticize Donnarumma over the summer, and but maybe not let it affect the national team. I I wouldn't have acted like he did, and but it's it's water under the bridge, and I think m- most uh, Milan fans should also consider that. And if you heard, uh, there was an interview with interview with the Milan president on uh, Italian radio this week, and he wished uh, Donnarumma all the best and said he's gone on a he's decided to try a different adventure. So if the guy who essentially is losing lost the most money out of this can let it go, let water go under the bridge, I think it's time for everyone else to as well. I still won't name him Ma- though. <laughs> Maybe they were booing his agent, as uh, we could revisit Kenny's comments about um, yeah. Raola. It has to be said, that regardless of him of them booing him or not, the guy has a mistake in him every game, as proven yesterday when he hit the ball inexplicably slipped out of his hands and hit the post. And some people said, oh, the, the crowd has made him nervous. But he does this week in, week out. He's done it with PSG. And I've, I've been watching PSG, unfortunately, to see what uh, young Messi gets up to. And uh, I've seen Donnarumma drop a few balls, look a little bit uh, uncertain, as is normal. He's in a new environment. But uh, it's not like this was out of character. This is part of the keeper he is. He makes amazing saves and then he lo- he has crazy lapses of concentration, which most times don't result in a goal, but occasionally will. Mm, and I guess if you're that type of keeper being sat on the bench for the, the majority of league games is not uh, something that helps you uh, maintain your concentration. I mean, you that that type of player kind of relishes for, you know, in being on the pitch game after game and you kind of iron out the mistakes. Uh, yeah, but yeah, that, yeah, that's not happening for him at PSG. Particularly because he's a young keeper. This week, he's been around for seemingly forever now, but he's only still 22 and he still has a lot to learn. I, I don't. I think he's far from the finished article, but uh, perhaps his agent and also the, the newspapers who are saying, who think he's the best keeper in the world, maybe, maybe they're, they're slightly got to his head. Yeah, well, he's got a chance to play a couple more games in the next week because we've got the third place playoff of the Nations League on Sunday, which I'm pretty sure France have just won that game, the other semi-final, so it'll be against Belgium. And then, arguably the more important game, the World Cup qualifier versus Switzerland on the Wednesday. What do we make of that one? I think we said before that this is a really, probably the most important uh, group game they'll play. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I, I think we said after the the, the previous game that, uh, well, after the previous round of games that we weren't expecting Switzerland to to go and slip up in in Northern Ireland and Italy kind of got out of jail a, li- a little bit there. Um, but yes, uh, it, Italy have got a chance to kind of all but secure. Uh, participation in in the World Cup and again we kind of cast our minds back to where Italy were pre-Mancini and this is just another opportunity to kind of uh, draw a line under that and uh, yeah yeah huge game 
uh, one that they they should win. And you know, I I have every faith that they will get the job done. And Switzerland dropped points again away at Northern Ireland in the previous round, and they're playing Northern Ireland again. So perhaps that will give us a clear picture of uh, this group even before uh, Italy play, kick off against Switzerland. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that game against Northern Ireland is um, in Switzerland tomorrow night. So it should be an interesting one. Um, see how Italy can bounce back from the disappointment of being booted out of the Nations League. And can we, sorry, a slight tangent, but why is there a third, fourth place final in this stupid competition? I mean, <laughs> I, I was like wondering that myself. But, but I think the reason must be it's to replace friendlies, right? So you don't want to have an international break where you haven't got a game suddenly. So, yes, sir. I'm sure um, Italy and Belgium, who will be facing each other in Turin, are really looking forward to this spectacular affair. <laughs> Maybe. Um, anyway, I was just going to say, um, speaking of reliving disappointment, Kenny, um, we're going to have to get you. your take on the uh, Scudetto derby. I said last week on the pod that I think even you might predict Milan as uh, the winners, and you said you were going to put me right and uh, actually picked Atalanta. So, what, yeah, I did. I did wrong? pick. I did pick Atalanta. I, I was thinking there was kind of a feel-good uh, factor going into this with Atalanta having uh, won their first home game in the Champions League in front of their their home crowds. So obviously, they played home games in front of their, their fans at San Siro and they played home games, you know, behind closed doors. But but yeah, um, I don't know. That, that obviously didn't didn't carry over. Milan were excellent. Milan were Milan were the better side, uh, if, if we're brutally honest. I mean, uh, Atalanta, I didn't think actually played that badly in the first half. They had two horrific mistakes. That essentially, uh, yeah, saw them kind of chasing the game really. And after the the opening goal, which uh, and I, I said this, anyone who's listened to the Milan Obsession podcast will will have heard me say this. Uh, Musso had a, a, a clanger in the first minute, um, which obviously led to Calabria getting a second bite at the cherry and getting Milan's opener. Um, I think nine times out of ten, Musso doesn't do that. And Musso has been excellent for Atalanta since he's joined. And he was excellent for, for Udinese. But, you know, we're all human. I thought at, after that, Atalanta did very well. And uh, Magnan pulled off some some incredible saves. Uh, it was a great game. It was a great game up until, uh, yeah, up until Freuler had uh, a, a bit of a panic attack when he saw Tonali closing down on him. And, yeah, all credit to Tonali for being a pit bull. And, um, you know, taking advantage of a situation where he had absolutely no right, really, to to, to score from. Uh, I think he was the only Milan player pressing. Froder had options, but, you know, panicked. And and after that, Atalanta just ran out of ideas. Uh, the second half, um, Gasparini tried to make some changes. It, it didn't really work. Uh, and the, ultimately, the 3-2 result uh, flattered Atalanta in the end. I thought the 2-0 result flattered Milan at halftime. Um, but I feel like the final score 3-2 flattered Atalanta on the whole because over the 90, Milan were comfortable winners. Yeah, um, I know you were sending some slightly panicked messages to the WhatsApp at one point, Baz. Um, but did you agree with that? Do you feel that it was a deserved victory? I felt um, it was a deserved victory with a strange uh, segue of two goals from Atalanta. One which was uh, clearly derived from a foul on uh Junior Messias uh, 
in the build-up, something that uh, Italian TV picked up on, but uh, Zapata pulls his shirt and then also trips him up. I don't know what VAR is doing in this occasion. And one from a slightly unfortunate penalty because although his hand is is stuck very high, uh, the ball bounces off another part of his body and goes up. One of those ones you can't really predict, but overall a stellar performance from uh, Milan and something that uh, I wouldn't, I didn't think I would ever say, but uh, a tactical masterclass from Pioli. Uh, when he arrived at Milan, he was kind of uh, considered uh, a one-trick pony and uh, essentially maybe the, the first season and a half he did stick very much to the same formation. But now um, there seems to be some great innovations, perhaps uh, born out of the personnel he has, but on uh, both the first and the third goal, Teo Hernandez was playing as kind of a regista defensive midfielder role when ostensibly he's the left back. But he he pulls into the middle and Atalanta didn't really know how to cope with that. And I think that's uh, something that was also seen with the other, um, r- the right back, Calabria, who got on the score sheet. And realistically, you, you don't expect uh, these two players to be so far up the pitch constantly and it's something that uh, they've really worked well on. And you can see Kessie, who actually had a good performance, uh, drop it, drop into defense. Benasseur is a phenomenal player and his, uh, his passing ability and the, the way he holds on to the ball is, is phenomenal. So I think now that Pioli has been able to uh, handpick his perso- personnel and kind of fit them into his system, it's, it's really a glory days. I'm not saying that Milan will necessarily win the Scudetto or win a trophy, but it's definitely... Um, going to be a, a, a fun season to watch and what more can you ask for as a fan yeah it was almost uh gozins-esque and um <laughs> hatibor-esque the way hernandez and calabria <laughs> turned up for for those goals so for perhaps i think there is something that but from my um memory gozins and hatenborg stay a little bit more wide when they when they uh when they go forward so they're entering the the box from the side whereas it looks like uh, Teo Hernandez and Calabria are attacking the box from the actual the center of the box, but I've not seen enough of Atalanta to to make that statement. Well, something that uh, does link on to what you just said is that Gasparini himself was uh, very complimentary with Milan, and it's i you know he's usually a little bit grumpy, so for him <laughs> to come out and uh, and praise the opponent and generally speak uh, positively about other players was uh, was uh, quite eye opening. Yeah. yeah, I thought deserved. Milan were the Milan were the better side. Uh, great to see them showing some uh, tactical range. We've mentioned this on a much older podcast, and uh, and maybe it's, it's a slight re- repeat, but you have to remember that uh, less than three years ago, Milan lost five nil in Bergamo, and it was probably the low point of the Pioli. Uh, not probably, it was definitely the low point of Pioli's tenure. And at the time, people were talking about maybe sacking him. So uh, this shows how far Milan have come. Yeah. And they currently sit in second on 19 points behind uh, only Napoli, who are still the only team in Europe with a perfect record so far. Mm. Um, they won 2-1 coming from behind to beat Fiorentina. Um, another impressive display, wasn't it, Buzz? Fantastic display. And uh, it's crazy how quickly the players have adapted to Spalletti's ways. Napoli don't give away a lot of chances and they create a lot of chances on, on the on the other end. So I'm not surprised that they're up there. In this game, again, they went under. They, they seem to kind of enjoy being uh, slightly in, in difficulty. We remember at the beginning of the season, they had a player sent off in the game against Venezia. But they always find a way to pull through. And in this uh, game, they, they kind of uh, 
mimicked a, a Dortmund uh, training routine for a free kick and th- th- it worked fantastically. I mean, maybe pl- teams playing against Napoli should check out uh, Dortmund's entire repertoire right now just to make sure. <laughs> and uh, But again, they, they kept plugging away and they, they have so many options and so many uh, great players that it's not it's not surprised I'm not surprised to see them high up in the league although this this uh, run of form with wins against uh, let's not forget Fiorentina and uh, Juventus in there is, has been uh, remarkable yeah and uh, to me Napoli and Boaz said there that he he's not uh, getting carried away with Milan um but to to me on the evidence of we're nearly a, a quarter of a way through the season now to me, on the evidence of what we've seen so far, Napoli and Milan are the two favourites for for the the title. Uh, Inter, uh, Inzaghi's Inter. Uh, this might be a bit controversial to say, but uh, Inzaghi's Inter and uh, obviously Allegri's Juve, which is becoming more and more like Allegri's Juve um, with every week that passes. Uh, you know that they're not. To me, they're not of the level of um, Spalletti's Napoli and Pioli's Milan. Uh, Spalletti, who, yeah, as Boaz says, it's incredible that he's managed to to get the buy-in to his kind of methods so quickly. Um, they just look absolutely phenomenal. And Pioli seems to have done what, I guess, with a young group of uh, largely unproven uh, players, really, still, we've, we've got to say. I mean, there are a couple of champions in there, obviously, and it's something that Milan have done well is kind of, you know, with first with bringing Zlatan in, but Chiara has been a real leader. And I th- I honestly believe Giroud, I know that his uh, introduction was kind of curtailed with the whole COVID thing, but I think that's another really, really shrewd experience signing. But basically Pioli has managed to do what I think people perhaps doubted he, he would be able to do this season, which is take Milan on that other level uh, and to me, those two are the ones that are, are really looking like the favourites to compete for, for the Scudetto. I think if if not this year, then then when, really? Mm-hmm. Well, the table's not lying to us for a change then. I guess the other thing in this game that we just have to mention, unfortunately, is uh, what happened after the final whistle. Koulibaly, obviously, being uh, racially abused by Fiorentina fans. It's We've spoken about it before. It's obviously just not in any way acceptable. It needs to stop. There needs to be stronger action against it. I mean, what more can we can we really say about anything to add on that, guys? Yeah, it's shocking, and um, I think I mean Boaz said this before we uh, before we started recording. But I think the the really depressing thing is the fact that fans are just getting back into the stadium, and this is what they choose to do, you know. And it it is the it is the Hopefully, uh, the the minority appears to be the minority, um, but uh, this is not the first time. Even though I am an Atalanta fan, Atalanta fans have got a lot to answer to for the way they treated Vlaovic. You know, despicable behavior there um, towards him, just because of the country he comes from, and you know the the stereotypes that um, there are in uh, in in Italy about that. Koulibaly, I mean, we we've it's really depressing that we're speaking about this again. It's something that um, you kind of hoped society was passed. You kind of hoped football was passed. And, you know, the clubs are coming out and saying all the right things. But uh, unfortunately, there just seems to be there, there seems to be a section of uh, football supporters. I think it's globally, uh, but we're speaking about Italian football here. So let's let's not bother with what about here. 
um, there is a section of Italian football supporters who seem to think that this is, a, you know, a, a motivating factor and a reason to turn up to the stadium to abuse people because of their their nationality, their ethnic background. It's disgusting. It's uh, we're in the twenty first century. Um, it was never acceptable, even in the twentieth century. But we hoped we'd move past it. Uh, I don't really know what else to say. Yeah. Buzz, were you speaking then, did you say? I, mean, I back everything that uh, Kenny said there, and I think that the only slight suggestion I, I could uh, put forward is that the the league needs to be a lot more involved. The the country even needs to be a lot more involved. It seems like these things happen, and um, yes, the clubs act quickly, and they find who the people are. And as Kenny said, the clubs are making all the right noises on social media, but at the end of the day, this is a... It's a social issue and it, it's something that needs to be addressed uh, from a much bigger perspective the same people who are, go to the stadium and abuse someone uh, racially i'm sure they don't walk down the street and shout at people down the street or go into their office and insult someone who's a, of a different creed or or color or whatever uh, there's something wrong with this concept that once you walk into the stadium you can say and do whatever you want yeah nothing to argue with in in any of that um i guess that's Let's just move on. Although while we're on Fiorentina, we should mention that it looks like Vlavic won't be renewing his contract um, with Fiorentina. Obviously, it looked like he might have been going over the summer. He ended up staying, but um, looks like he could be off in January, doesn't it, Buzz? It's quite curious how Comiso has uh, chosen to go about this. Uh, in the past, you would kind of keep your cards uh, tightly close to your chest so that no one would know, but he's gone out immediately and said... Uh, Vlaovic has rejected the con the contract, and as far as we're concerned, he's on the market now. I'm not sure what that will do to Vlaovic's valuation, but he certainly has suitors around uh, Europe and also in Serie And his contract runs till 2023, so it's it's quite early to start this uh, song and dance. But maybe Comiso has seen uh, some of the things that have been going on in Milan and uh, and has figured that uh, it's better to start the song and dance early. Yeah, and a huge blow to Fiorentina's. Uh... What was what was looking like a very good start to the to the season as well? Because uh, I mean, if you lose if you lose Vlaovic in January, that's uh, you know a big part of what pe- what clubs what other clubs feared about Fiorentina all of a sudden no longer there. So who knows? We'll see. Yeah, you do wonder where the goals might come from. Certainly, attacks looking a lot blunter without him. Speaking, Boaz, of uh, song and dance in Milan, there's a, a new mayor or a new old mayor in town, Beppe Sala, re-elected. And uh, looks like there might be some action taken on the San Siro renovation project or rebuilding project. I will believe it when I see it, but um, <laughs> it seem, it looks like things are have moved slightly closer. Um, you remember last year we had this uh, strange uh, project uh, announcement where fans could uh, pick one of two different uh, stadium printouts. And I think, I'm not sure if they're going with the one that won then or what's going on, but essentially uh, San Siro is going to get knocked down, which it's very sad news for me because it's a stadium where I've seen 95% of my football games and I have a massive San Siro tattoo on my back, as all my friends know. (laughs) (laughs) um, I don't know what... I'm going to get it lasered. It's next to my Duomo, Milan, Milan Duomo tattooed, tattoo. But, and uh, scrubbed I, out Gigi Donnarumma. <laughs> Undoubtedly, the, 
that something had to give. And if you consider that uh, Milan are, are making about half as much money as Juventus are, despite having a stadium that's much bigger, and that they're making a quarter or, or less of the money that uh, Barcelona and Madrid are making on their on on their match day uh, revenue, it, it makes sense to modernize. Uh, it's it's just sad that uh, an icon, so to speak, get, is going to be lost to this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you look at the finances and I was reading a couple of days ago that both Milan and Inter are looking to treble their, their match day revenues through this. I guess it kind of is a bit of a no-brainer. And I think it was, uh, it sounds like, I think the Corriere della Sera uh, reported uh, a few days ago they kind of had some some insider info that it looks like it's going to be the populist design which is the one that it supposedly mimics the the duomo of milan but to be honest uh, <laughs> it's uh, some quite creative licensing there it's basically a square stadium and if you stand in the corner it kind of looks a bit like there's a point which is uh what supposedly mimics the the duomo of milano but um yeah if uh, yeah if, if if this stadium gets over the line then big news big big news for for Serie A really and uh might be it might be the end of uh us seeing clubs like atalanta up there because if uh Inter and Milan join Juventus in these uh, astronomical sort of match day revenues. Then uh, perhaps they they will kind of reach the 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 heights that they they reached beforehand back in the back in the sort of nineties and early noughties and eighties etc. But yeah, I mean, all good. It, it, Italian football needs to move on and needs to needs to catch up on this front. So hopefully, this is good news for for both Milan. Sorry, for both Milan clubs. Yeah, as I've said off air, Kenny, it's all right. Once Atalanta gets a billionaire owner, they'll be able to compete stadium or no stadium. Yeah, sovereign wealth fund. Here we come. The only way to go. We should just mention one other game from last weekend that we don't really have time to talk about. But um, Bologna 3, uh, Lazio 0 was a bit of a surprise. Yeah. Particularly as we gave um, Lazio good week and Bologna bad week. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Mihailovic seemed to be pretty much out. Um, uh, like every Everyone had him down as being out. And now here he is tied on points with uh, with Lazio, Juve and Atalanta. It's like, how do you, as a, as a Bologna owner, how do you get rid of Mihailovic when he's got you level on points with those clubs? So, I think yeah, that job football, is hey? safe at least for a, a few more weeks. Yeah, um, and and Aaron Hickey getting his second uh, his second Bologna goal. So he's the the first Scotsman to score since Aaron Hickey uh, two weeks ago or or thereabouts. <laughs> but a job that was not safe was Roma CEO. Uh, they've today appointed Pietro Berardi to replace outgoing Guido Fienga, obviously part of the uh, Friedkin shakeup elsewhere. Uh, Lautaro Martinez joins the injury list, getting injured on international duty. It's a blow to Inter. And uh, Sergio Romero, formerly of Sampdoria, has left Man United on a free to join Venezia. Boaz, you've got some more news for us about Italians abroad. I'm here for the keeping up with the Italians. Uh, the, the main news from this week, I think we will all agree, is uh, Sir Claudio Ranieri uh, being appointed at Watford. As has been said on in other publications, it's kind of a miracle that with all the clubs that Ranieri has changed over the years and with, with all the managers that the Pozzos have gotten rid of, uh, <laughs> it's, kind of it's a miracle that the, this intersection hasn't happened earlier. 
but um i'm here for it i'm here i'm totally here for it and uh i think i think you'll do well i think watford is the kind of club that kind of runs on its own and regardless of who's in the helm they stay up or go down it doesn't really matter let's see what happens if they make sissoko captain well, yeah well we have to see and we let's not forget that he did a really good job at uh Sampdoria. he took over when they were bottom of the league and uh, he finished 11th and then he finished 9th which are the two best finishes for um Sampdoria since t- 2013 i believe so um I, I think he'll do well and i'm glad to see him back in any case uh, moving on quickly, the Creeping Up With The Italians might as well be called Keeping Up With The Italians In Turkey right now, but um, <laughs> Adana Demispor uh, got their 10th point in four games. Uh, this is uh, Montella's Adana Demispor with uh, Balotelli scoring his fourth goal in as many games, so good good job for him. And uh, Andrea Bertolacci has scored two in uh, Fatih Karagunluk's uh, 3-1 win, so... Again, not a player that's known for goals, but he's gotten quite a few so far this season. Elsewhere, keeper Alberto Brignoli, formerly of Palermo, Empoli, and kind of Juve, although he was he played on loan for a lot of other clubs, kept his first clean sheet uh, on his debut for Panathinaikos. And uh, Filippo Falco got his first goal in the Serb Super League for uh, Red Star Belgrade in a goal that, again, don't mean to be insulting to any of our Serbian listeners, but... Uh, it, it, the the pace did kind of look like a pub league uh, and there were a couple of players carrying a few extra pounds but such is life in the Serb Super League and since we're talking about um, average leagues um, I w- oh want to give a shout out to uh, Claudio Repeto who just won't stop scoring for Charleston Battery in the USL Championship he's got nine now in uh, 14 games and this is a guy who's made his career in this um, USL, which is the pretty much the second division in the states. But anyway, he's he's been a journeyman in in some strange lower division in the states and scoring everywhere he goes. So good job, Claudio. Yeah. Um, so apologies to all of our listeners from all of the countries that Baz has just offended in that <laughs> section. <laughs> um, let's move on to the honourable and dishonourables. And uh, Kenny, let's start on a positive note with uh, a goals on rule, shall we? Yep, yep. And I'm sticking to my guns here on uh, just the, the the single goal honourable per per episode. Uh, and it has to go to Candreva for uh, Sampdoria's third against uh, Udinese. Uh, just an absolute rocket from out of nowhere. Uh, I mean, there's not really too much to say about this goal. Just that he absolutely smashed the shit out of it, and it sailed into the top corner. It couldn't have been struck more perfectly. Um, ultimately, Sampdoria celebrated wildly, um, and Udinese went down the other end and equalized. So it finished three three. And what was <laughs> what, what the result would suggest was a great game. But I watched it, and my god, it was so scrappy. But great goal. Good stuff. Um. Buzz, you're going to praise at least one Italian goalkeeper today and honourable for Gigi Buffon. Gigi Buffon is sometimes known as uh, Superman and apparently this uh, skill uh, extends to areas outside of the football pitch. There was a video released by Parma uh, last week just after we recorded and it showed uh, Buffon essentially beating about 14 player, fourteen of his teammates in a row at a game of rock, paper, scissors. Now... <laughs> He, Legend. If he if he is Superman, he can look through people and see what they're doing behind their back, so he could see that. But if you look at the video, he kind of sees what he's he he always delivers his uh, hand 
the two seconds later just so you can see what's going on so quick reflexes from Gigi Buffon when he cheats at the rock paper scissors yeah good uh, technique from saving penalties I guess yeah, it's it's a great watch because he he goes really wild every time he beats, he's looking them in the eyes <laughs> second man, it's like penalties um, I'm going to give an honourable buzz to your boy Tia Hernandez who scored for France on his second ever game for the national side this um, this evening and uh, it's the week of his birthday as well. So uh, happy birthday. Kenny, you've got uh, a curious honourable here for um, St. Ninians. Yeah, yeah, the St. Ninians High School. Uh, yes, so th- they might not be St. Trinians, uh, but St. Ninians did produce uh, Liam Henderson and Aaron Hickey. And I have to admit to being an absolutely awful journalist here and not not double-checking this, but St. Ninian's High School claims, and who am I to doubt their claims, that uh, when Liam Henderson and Aaron Hickey faced off against each other in the, in the game between Empoli and Bologna, it was the first time ever that two Scots had come uh, head-to-head in, in Serie A. So, uh, honourable to them. Uh, a, a school producing, yeah, two two Scots playing against each other in Serie A. And on a completely different note, Baz, this is a mention for a micro pianist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is a honourable for um, Italy under twenty one star and Inter player Samuele <laughs> Mulatier, who, besides being a, a very good football player, is also an accomplished pianist. Um, he's Rai TV released this video of uh, the the young man uh, playing something classical on the piano and kind of really getting into it. And apparently, this was his uh, his idea for how to uh, uh, psych up his teammates. To be honest, I don't, I'm not sure like a bunch of 21 year olds and under are going to get psyched up by some geezer playing the piano. But good on him for the <laughs> skills. Um, and I've got another um, Milan-based honourable for I guess for both Milan and Inter. Uh, for playing away from home simultaneously for the first time ever while the San Siro was being prepared for the Nations League games, I believe. (laughs) I'm not sure if it's an honourable or a dishonourable or what, but I thought we ought to mention it. Um, Buzz, you've got one for, uh, how do you say it, Haug's father. Yeah, this is uh, honourable for Jan Ingvard Hauge, who is, I believe, uh, Jens Peter Hauge's dad and probably his agent as well. But in any case... um, a Milan fan tweeted him last week asking him, can you please give us uh, your side of the story about why your son left Milan and he's such a great talent, how much, how we're missing him. I mean, normally people don't respond to this kind of tweet and especially don't respond in a nice way. But he he said, I, I honestly don't can't tell you why, we, why Jens was uh, sold. But look at Leao, Ibrahim, Rebic, uh, Salimaker, so much talent, so much skills. Where would the... Uh, who should go instead? So, I mean, that's it's nice to see. And he said no bad feelings at all. So it's nice to see that um, that uh, the Hauge family are, have got a good head screwed on their on their shoulders. And I, I do hope that someday we'll see the kid with a Milan shirt again in the future. Yeah, maybe certain other ex-Milan players' agents could take some tips from this sort of approach. Uh, yeah. Um, Topical. Kenny, this is not a goals honourable, but it's a... Uh, Goal celebration, honourable. Yeah, for Vialli. I mean, how can you not give uh, Gianluca Vialli uh, an honourable when he celebrates like that? When when uh, Italy scored the the goal 
to, to get one back against uh, Spain. He, I mean, Mancini celebrated as you would expect a manager to celebrate and Viali celebrated as you would expect Viali to celebrate. He just kind of like, just like the sheer look of like determination and come on guys, let's, let's do this uh, in his face. It's just a joy. Um, and also, I mean, I, I, I tag on an, an honorable to Chiesa for how unselfish he was for that goal um, to have, you know, created it uh and then you know at the very last minute deciphered it to, to pellegrini to, to to finish off um so yeah just uh despite the result nice uh nice scenes and we said earlier that there were positives to take out of this match so there's there's a positive right there yeah um and is this one a positive buzz of- nope no <laughs> this is uh dishonorable to <laughs> italian journalist uh paola ferrari who is a long-standing uh TV journalist who does all the Italian football for Rai. And uh, she assigned the two Spain goals from the overnight to uh, Fernando Torres, who apparently is out of retirement and playing for Spain again. About time you put some more in for him. Um, I just wanted to give <laughs> a quick honourable to Cagliari's Keita Balde, who becomes Serie A's top Senegalese scorer of all time with 40 goals. Um, so well done to him. Uh, but as I assume, this is a dishonourable. It's... Um... One of those weird uh, stories, we've covered stories like this in the past where usually involving Lazio where money somehow goes gets into the wrong hands. But this is a story of Fenerbahce who purchased uh, Micha Zac from uh, Empoli all the way back in 2019. And apparently they transferred the, the final rate of the, the transfer to a car dealership in the Netherlands instead of uh, Empoli. <laughs> 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 So they, so they've been struggling for they've been struggling for months to try and get this money back, and they've finally managed to uh, be paid back by this Dutch uh, car dealer. And now they're now they've finally paid Empoli. So uh, it's a great story. Eight hundred and thirty um, million euros. <laughs> wow. On the topic of misplaced investments, um, <laughs> what what sense he been up to? So uh, this is a story about. Uh, Perma crocked uh, Inter midfielder Stefano Sensi, who um, seems to miss more games than he plays. But apparently, he's invested in a in a Milanese startup that uh, launched an algorithm to monitor and prevent injuries to professional footballers. I mean, oh, <laughs> it's very ironic. I hope this algorithm helps him out because he he missed out on a Euro as part of his injury crisis, and uh, he's a fantastic player. But um, Hopefully his investments are more sound than his knees. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Thanks very much for that. Um, that is all we've got time for this week. If you don't already, please do subscribe to our podcast on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your audio. We'll be back soon. Until then, enjoy the football. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 